na 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 Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Episode 50 with Haley Harlock talking about supporting physician families. Let's Do go. <laughs> Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quedro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Welcome back, everybody. First, before we begin on episode 50, Teddy, you got something to say? Don't forget to leave some subscribes and some likes because we really want those. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, baby. If you love the show, please subscribe, review it. This helps with the visibility of the show. So we really appreciate that. Right, Teddy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And guess who makes an appearance on episode 50? Who? Your mother. I don't even know what that means. You don't even know what that means. You're hilarious. Yeah, so this is Kathy makes her appearance on this amazing episode with Haley Harlock. We're so excited. It's all about supporting physician families, and I just want to get this out of the way. Yes, many physicians have a great lifestyle. They have good incomes, but there's a never been so much physician burnout, physician suicide as there is now, and there are tough times. As a family, like, I'll be honest with you, there's been strains in our house, you know, when you're not home for Christmas, when the kids, they don't see their dad at their concert or their soccer games or what have you, and all that falls on Kathy or the spouses. And so this is why I was so proud of what Haley Harlock produced. Having that environment where you could speak of the concerns, the struggles, and it being safe and being in an environment where people truly understand what it's like being in that physician household honestly it's tremendous and so Haley produced the flip side life this was produced about a year ago approaching a year ago 2019 to support physician families and this really took off around COVID you know with the fears that people had of being frontline and you know will their physician family member come home safely what happens about bringing COVID back home all these issues uh, came to play but Produce this environment where it's safe to talk about, as I mentioned. And I'm really proud of the the project she's got, July 9th, the Better Together Project, which Kathy and I will be speaking at to really celebrate this initiative. Please sign up with the promo code Solving Healthcare. It'll get 10% off sign up fees if if you're if you game. Hopefully, we'll see some of you on July 9th. All right, a little bit more about Haley. Harlock. She's got a master's in social work. She worked at Sick Kids for several years and is now at home raising her three beautiful kids. She's married to a vascular surgeon. John really produces magical endeavor and so proud of her. So I think without further ado, Haley Harlock as well as Catherine Caraman Dang. Quadcast ah. Nation, we have Haley Harlock in the mix from the flip side of life. We are so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Haley. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with both. Yes, it's crazy. This is the first ever 
Caramantang, like mom and dad in the full and full effect. I'm a little nervous about this, actually. So awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> we never sit this close together. Yeah, we haven't sat this close together since 2018. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to take over this yeah. bad boy. This is like the TSN turning point. Of the, Yeah. Of the Solving show. healthcare is evolving. With people. Catherine Caramantang. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I love li- it. Yeah. So listen, Haley, we want to celebrate the wonderful thing you're doing to improve the quality of life of families of, uh, you know, physician families and so on. So why don't you tell us your story? Like, how did this come to be? Well, this came, this came to be officially about a year ago, but um, truly I've been, I've been on this, this ride with my husband, John, for a long time. I was, we were together through medical school, through residency, through fellowship, and now eight years into practice. And so I always felt, I've always felt that physician families, whether trainees or physician in practice families were just really under supported. And, and that was just from observations made over the years. And even from struggles that our own family has had over the years, I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys have been struggle free, but we certainly were not struggle free. And it's really, um, it's just, I, I feel like too many people were struggling in silence and feeling like they couldn't, they couldn't talk about that. You know, sometimes this is hard, right? Like, yes, of course we have to be grateful for all the amazing, you know, we, we have so much to be grateful for. You know, we have a roof over our head. We have happy, healthy children, but that doesn't take away from sometimes, sometimes things get hard. And I think a lot of uh, significant others of physicians and trainees feel really a bit isolated and lost in the whole process. And so throughout my husband's residency and the transition into practice, I was sort of just meeting organically meeting people that, that were saying that like, this is hard. Like what, you know, what did you do when this happened or how, you know, how could this be different? And so I just, I, I just have always known in my heart that our community of physician families need support. So last year at this time, I decided to take that idea out of my heart and my head. And I have this scrappy little notebook that I've been scribbling in for years, just with little ideas. And actually when Flipside was brought to life last year, it was, it was under the guise of, I was developing an app and an app in terms of think of like a dating app almost, but for physician families to be able to connect regardless of where you are in the world whatever your, your significant other's specialty is, where they're at in training or in practice. And then that's how this started. But then it got very expensive. And to be quite honest, I had to pause the app production just because I was self-funding it and I just, I just couldn't sustain that anymore. And so I decided to just really start focusing on growing the community. And slowly but surely, in the last, I didn't actually officially launch Flipside. In, um, it was in October 2019. And so it's just gained momentum over the last few months. And, and COVID actually has been a silver lining for our community, despite experiencing a lot of stressors that physician families have experienced since the pandemic was declared, it's actually brought to light the need to support physician families. And I think that's been really huge. And, and so that's sort of a little bit of the backstory. Well, I, I got to commend you for, for these, uh, for the efforts to try and support these families. And, and can you give maybe some examples of like what it's like, like, cause a lot of people have no idea. Like, I mean, physicians, we represent, I don't know, one or 2% of the 1% of the population. Like, you know, uh, a lot of people aren't, don't interact with physician families. Like what is, what's life like? Like what's the, what's the challenges? I think one of the biggest challenges is it's also really early on. Like, I don't know about you guys, but two of our, our three children were born during my husband's residency and he did five years of general surgery, which is a pretty, um, pretty grueling specialty. And so there was a lot of years where really 
I would never ever want to be disrespectful to, to single parents anywhere. But there's a lot of times where really it was me on my own, right? And, and managing these babies and, and just trying, you know, just, and, and I think families with small children take out the physician piece, but it's hard, right? Being a parent is hard. And when you're, you know, struggling and then you're also within a physician family, you're juggling call schedules. And, and I used to joke that I, I was keeping a running list for a while of all of the things that I've attended without my significant other. So birthday parties, funerals, weddings, like you name it. And, and I think just over time with that struggle, it, it just, it's hard. Right. And I think in the work that I've been doing with Flipside is hearing from other people and hearing, you know, people talk about how they really feel isolated and how they really feel left out of the experience that their significant other is going through. So when you talk to the significant others of, of residents and in particular, I, I just had, a, actually did a focus group the other night and people were saying, you know, my partner is finishing five years of residency and I don't even know what the inside of the hospital looks like that my partner's at, you know? And, and so just feeling really, really left out of the experience. And and there's been, um, I think it's amazing that there's finally discussion, you know, regarding physician burnout and physician wellness. But in, in my humble opinion, I really feel that a lot of these programs or these workshops or these initiatives, they've left out a really key component. And that key component is family, right? So how do you, I mean, Catherine, you're a psychologist. My background is in social work. You like, I don't know, that has baffled me for years that how can you look to support a human, but then not look at all of them, right? So a family is even mentioned in, in, you know, wellness initiatives. It's like a one, you know, a one liner and that's it. And so that's, that's really, um, you know, also in, in building this, this flip side community and, and having, you know, supports available for significant others of physicians. The other piece of what I'm trying to do is really advocate for physician families to say, you know, how, how do we get, how do we become part of the conversation, right? And not be left out of the conversation. And, and I think that's, that's a big piece of it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to hear your, your perspective, Catherine, on, on your end. Yeah, it's interesting, like what you said about the, you know, the one-liner for physician, like I feel like there's a lot going on for physician wellness right now. And there's kind of the one-liner maybe, if it's even there, about family. But I feel like what you're doing is really special because you're reaching out to the family through the family. So like through the spouses or the partners of the physicians, because like, I think a lot of the physician wellness stuff, it goes through the physicians. So if they want to address the family, going through the physicians, like, I don't know about your experience with it, but like, he's overloaded, you know, a lot of the time. And so, you know, trying to reach me through him is like trying to reach me through a brick wall sometimes, you know, like he doesn't have time or space for it. So like, I see your conundrum with like, how are you going to get this started? Like, I can see why it took a long time to sort of formulate the idea because how do you reach out to this like big group of people that you know, like from meeting people personally and socially, I'm sure you know that these families are out there and we've had that same experience too. And sometimes that's been like our biggest support, but how do you reach those people like as a community? And that's really where you're going to affect the change, but harder to access, right? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I don't know what your experience was like, but a lot of families, they end up moving, right? You move like at different transition points during training and then transition to practice, people are uprooting their families. And, and if they have children, like, you know, and, and there's people, you know, that spouses that are changing jobs two and three times. And it's sort of the, the physician partner, you know, the focus is on, on that person, but the family is impacted by that, right? Like it's, and it is hard. And I think, I think there's also a little bit, I mean, there's always stigma, historically always stigma in, in terms of mental health. And I think, again, my humble opinion, I think physician group, you know, 
there is stigma in, in asking for help or, or reaching out for help. And I think then as a byproduct, you know, as families, we're supposed to, you know, kind of keep it all together. And, and that's the one, the one thing that I think is really hard sometimes, because I've often said, we're the ones keeping things, we're behind the scenes, keeping things together for the people that are on the front lines. And that came up a lot during COVID, right? That if we're needing to be, you know, making sure that our partners are okay so that they can, you know, go to work and, and serve their, their hospitals and their patients and their communities, you know, we have a job to do too. So we need to make sure that we're okay. And, and I think, you know, just normalizing the experience. And in some, with some of the people that I've had the pleasure of, of meeting and, and, and they've shared their own personal experiences with me over the last few months and just saying that, you know, I thought I was alone. I, I, I thought I was kind of crazy that I felt that this was hard and, and thought that I was the only one. And, and I'm just saying, no, it's like, that is not true. Like, and it's okay. It's okay to have a really great life, but then on some days say, yeah, this is hard. And, and, you know, when humans need connection and to be able to have a connection to just like, you get it right. I don't have to explain the whole background story to you. And I, you know, and I think that was for us personally, you know, two of my best girlfriends, one is a physician married to a physician and the other one is not a physician married to a physician. And all of the physicians at like the the two couples, they all went to medical school with my husband. And I was joked that that was the best thing that came out of his, his medical school was getting these people who are like family. But if I hadn't had those relationships over the years, I mean, you know, lots of friends, I have lots of friends and lots of support, but it's different if you can talk to somebody who really gets it, right? And, and that's really what Flipside's been about is just is, is giving, because not everybody has that and giving people a safe space to come together and to know that they will be understood just based on this one common bond that everybody has. Yeah, I think I think it's really hard for people who are not inside that situation. I mean, just like any situation, if you're not in it, you don't fully get it, right? But with this, it's like hard for people to understand how isolating it is. Like if I tell people what Quadro's schedule is, I'm like, oh, he works for 14 days and then he has seven days off. And then, you know, he works for seven days and then he has five days off. They're like, oh, wow, that's like great time off. Like, you know, you guys must get some. I'm like, no, I don't see him. You know, like it's really hard to describe like how consuming the profession can be, like both mentally and and time-wise. And those days when he's working, just exactly how much he's working and how much he's he's not, you know, there, like just really not physically there or can't be mentally there. And how much work we do as a family, like you're saying, to support him so that he's okay during those really intense times. And if you talk with anyone outside of a physician family, we've run into this before where, uh, you know, because we're in a place where we're financially stable and obviously have a good quality of life and, you know, on the outside, things look great. And in truth, from that perspective, they are but it can come across really entitled to then complain, right? And, and, ex- and not just complain, but like just express struggle. And that's, that's the hard thing. It's hard to connect with other people around that when on the outside, everything looks like you're doing super well, right? Yeah. And w- one thing I, I want to add to what you were saying, Haley, was, you know, especially as you're training, like having that foundation, that family foundation. And like, I can't count how many times I leaned on Kathy when you had a night that was a disaster. You lost a patient that you were, you know, were invested in or hoping that wouldn't have a negative outcome. You're scared, you're anxious, and you got your life partner here. You know, you, you rely on to be able to unload some of that off and, 
you know, and that's heavy. And like, she has her own world too. Like she, you know, at the time was training to be a neuropsychologist, you know? And so like, the, you know, at, as she said, from the outside looking in, everything is like wonderful and roses or whatever the expression is. But, you know, this is, the reality is that there was, there's tough times. And, and then you add like, in your case, like we elected to hold off on offspring because of, yeah, like our, I mean, yeah, it was just, a, it, I think it would have been a lot to handle for, at least for us. Well, I think for us, we were both going through our training at the same time. And so I think it would have been a, a major disruption to have kids during that time while I was still training and put that off and that. And and even like, and maybe you can talk a bit to this, like the sacrifice, maybe I'm jumping around a bit here, but the sacrifice that you make when like as a spouse of a physician, um, I feel like the you know, I, I didn't sacrifice during my training, which many people do and take time off and delay it. But in the end, I mean, my career looks much different than I would have envisioned it like pre-marriage to an intensivist with a podcast with research portfolio and, you know, all the stuff that he does. Like it's been, I don't know if you've experienced that as well or seen that in other families. Absolutely. And even, even personally, like I've been, I feel very grateful. I've been home for the last 11, it's 11 years now with our kids. And that was a choice that we made as a couple. Our second was born. And then when I was to go back to work, John decided he was going to do this fellowship. And so I remember us having this conversation. It was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I've just quit my job. And now you're going to like, how, how is this going to work? And, and I loved my job. I, like my job wasn't just a job. I loved my job, but it didn't make sense. You know, we were living in Hamilton at the time I was commuting to Toronto and I was leaving it. Like I was leaving at the same time as a general surgery resident. And, you know, and we were coming home at the same time and it ended up being, well, if we hire, if we have to hire someone to be in our home full time, then I'm going to work to pay that person's salary. So, so, you know, ended up leaving. And there's a lot of people that, you know, have, and I mean, that was my choice. And I feel like for our family that worked it's been what our family needed was to have me home. But I think there's a lot of people, not even just with non-physician partners, but even with physicians, married to physicians or partnerships with, with two physicians, where maybe one partner's job is maybe more demanding in terms of scheduling or, you know, for example, you know, one is, I'm thinking of people that I actually know, one is a family doc and one is a surgeon. And they have children. And during COVID, it was really challenging for them. And, you know, and I think that's that brings up another point that dual physician families, they have their own challenges too, right? And I know that this individual who is a, practices a family doc was, you know, there was one day where the partners got their wires crossed and all of a sudden it was like, they were both to be working outside of the home and they've got the two kids. And now with COVID, there's nobody that can come and babysit. And it was sort of like, what are we going to do? And, and, you know, and she sort of said, that was the first time where I actually had to say like, no, you need to take, like you, you, you have to deal with this because Monday was my day to be in the clinic, you know? And um, so it is hard. And, and, you know, there's um, one, one individual that I'm thinking of in particular, and, and her partners had a very unique training experience and they've lived in several different countries and, you know, have moved all over the place. And, and, you know, and, and she's shared things where, you know, her career had to come second. And, and I, I again, it, this is not, this goes back to what you say, Catherine, this isn't like, woe is me because yes, people have situations that are much more difficult or more hardships to deal with. But at the end of the day, we're all still human. And it is okay to acknowledge that sometimes things are hard. Or Yeah. And, and don't forget too, like, I know I don't want this to come across bougie, like, 
you know, what, what are we complaining about? We, everyone's successful, all this stuff. But, you know, the stuff you, that, like, if our families are having that support, I promise you we're providing better care at, in the hospital. I promise you. We are more focused. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have more energy. You take that extra two minutes, you know, with that patient because you have that rejuvenation. You don't have that drain at home. You know, so like all this helps to provide better care. And I and I and, and this might sound cheesy, but I know it. I feel it. You know, when our house is in order, I'm in order. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. If we have a tough week, like if I'm not doing well, which happens, right? Like if I'm having a tough week or or struggling with the kids or like during COVID, you know, all the chaos of everything. And then he's going off to work. Like you see the difference in him. It's heavier, you know, he's more fatigued. Like, and that's, you know, it's not, it's not saying that the patients aren't getting adequate care during that time, but they're not getting the best part of him, right? Like the full physician, like caring, connected physician experience, which like is what, what we would hope to provide, like as a family, as a physician family, what we would hope to provide the patients at the hospital with, because that's what we would want, Mm -hmm. right? If we were there. Absolutely. And I love, I love that you guys just said that because that was sort of the next, that's where I was going with this. And I've been saying this, I've been saying this for the last year and, 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 and in advocating for better support for physician families, I you sort of say like, I believe that this is something we should all care about because at the end of the day, we're all communities, we're all part of a community. And at the end of the day, we're all healthcare consumers as well. And so you guys just beautifully summed up, you know, why, why we should care whether or not physician families are, are thriving. And I think that's been the biggest, I've used those, those words with, you know, I've seen, and again, in, in our own family as well, too many physician families just, you know, getting by, just surviving. And I think the goal should be thriving, right? And there's just, I think with a little bit of even acknowledgement or added support, you know, like there was something with, with the CMA um, recently made an announcement where they were offering mental health support for physicians, but they added that, it was also open to immediate families. And that's huge, right? Like that little, that little bit of, it, of acknowledgement that we exist too, and we're directly impacted by what our partners do, right? And so I think, I think like, again, I think COVID has perhaps been, been a silver lining in that way that, you know, people are more open to having, to, you know, there's more empathy and compassion perhaps towards physicians right now than there ever has been. And then more openness to have some conversations about mental health and wellness and so I, I'm really excited about that, you know, to know that maybe, maybe we are evolving a little bit. And, and even I've, I've had the privilege of having some um, early conversations with some community partners, institutions, and then organizations that represent physicians and to say like, what could we do? Cause this isn't about let's get together and complain, right? This is about what can we do to elicit change and make this better? Let, let's make this, this experience better for, you know, trainees that are going to come through the system and then, you know, families from here on in. And, and I think, People are willing to listen and, and got, I, I can't really talk about too much in too much detail right now until things are a little bit more finalized, but you know, an exciting project to look at that, to look at what the impact of training is on families. And then how can we, how, like, what can we do to make it better? And I know I'm a, I'm a bit of an eternal optimist, so I do think that we can. Yeah. I, I wonder Haley, like one of the things that I noted down as I was going through your website, I, I noted that you were doing these, these sort of peer support chats and the support groups and that during COVID, but you talk a lot about community and I wonder what you're, cause like you're kind of, you're just getting started with this. You're, you're trying these different things. What's your vision? Like, what do you see as like the thing you want to create? 
in terms of that that community yeah like where you know where are you going for that like that's the thing I'm, I'm too much of an idea generator like I could go all day with ideas it's the implementing right and getting and getting the but I think it's just yeah. again the comp first of all like on, a, on an almost daily basis I get messages in my e- emails or dms on, on Instagram where people people are a bit lost and they didn't even know that there and there's there's something like 600 Facebook groups out there for physician families, right? Like there's, there are some resources, but it's also letting people know that the resources exist. And so these peer support calls that I've been doing every week um, since mid-March, that just, they happen very organically one day when the pandemic was, was declared. And I thought, this is going to be a huge hit to our community of physician families. And my husband is, is a surgeon, but he does have some ICU training. And, and we were discussing that, you know, if, if his hospital had a surge, that he'd be redeployed to the ICU. And I started thinking about that. And I was like, oh, you know, that, that doesn't, you know, that, like that, that's going to be tough. And that was, you know, on my mind. And so I thought that's going to be on the minds of a lot of people. So I just put that out there on social media. I said, you know, I'm going to be online. The first week I did two of them. And I didn't know if anybody would show up. Like, and I thought it could just be me for an hour. But you know what, guys, people have showed up. And they, every week, more people show up. And it's just like this sense of relief that there are people like me out there, right? And, and our community is very diverse. But it's just again that one common common bond of that, you know, we we get it. And and oh, during them, like late March into mid April, it was really interesting because each week we've had people join from all over Canada, the US, and even as far as New Zealand. And you know, when you essentially have a group of strangers and someone new joins, and it's very much like it's it's so beautiful to watch people just hold space. And you know, there was one person that joined one week. And was having a really, really difficult time. Um, the partner was working in um, in a ICU in a hospital that had a significant number of COVID patients. And the person came onto the call as a complete stranger. And and people just the messages I was getting after that call that night were like, "How can we help this person?" And this person was, you know, miles and miles away from where the core group was. But it was like, you know, people just wanted to help. So I think it's just again awareness, bringing people together. I want, you know, part of this event next in, on July the 9th is about celebrating our community. Like we've never had anything like I've been, I've been in this game for a long time and I've never been invited to an event that was just for the significant others of physicians. So sort of just like, you know, we need, like you get invited to things all the time, right? As the big MD, you get to, you get like, you know, invites and, and again, that feeling of being left behind. So I think it's about building a community that yes, supports the members of the community, but then also does more. Like I want to do, do good. Like eventually I would love to have a charity arm of Flipside. So like Flipside gives back and how can we give back to the community, recognizing that yes, we are in a position of having privilege and resources and, and you know, how can we make that better? And then, and then also the educational piece. And that's really where I see a lot of the advocacy work that I'm doing right now is like, let's talk to the universities, like what, you know, what could we be doing better? And that's, so this project that's just starting, that's really exciting because it could be something as simple as, you know, reaching medical learners really early on in those first couple of years and offering, offering some, I mean, again, this isn't rocket science, but just some really, you know, some guidelines or some soft skills of like, you know, is, well, you're so focused on your medical training. If you have a significant other, your, your, your partner's experience is going to be very different than your own and sort of aligning those two. And, and so that people understand each other's perspectives and, and just, I don't know. I mean, I know in our, in our situation, we got to a point where I found that my husband was, you know, he was working crazy hours. We had these little kids. 
we were both exhausted. And then if something was bothering me, I would hold, I would keep it to myself. And he would come home and I would feel sorry for him because he looked terrible and he hadn't slept and was stressed. And then, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll talk to him about it the next day. But then the next day he still looked tired, you know, and life goes on. And then so all of a sudden, two weeks have gone by and we haven't had the important conversation that we needed to have. And then over time, you know, and then it felt silly. Oh, well, two weeks has gone like that. Silly to bring up something from two weeks ago. But you realize that then that's what breeds resentment. That That's what like, you know, and over time, that's where, you know, families end up breaking, like falling apart because there hasn't been communication. There hasn't been that support. And that's what I don't want to see happen. And I think, again, that's where in my personal experience and in, in, in knowing some of these personal stories from other physician families, people are struggling and feeling very alone. Yeah. So I don't know if I really answered that question or just went off on a huge tangent, but I mean, I can, I can really connect with what you're saying about like, just hold, like holding stuff in, you know, I think, I think if you don't have those people to talk to, you know, and, and we all have friends and we all have, you know, well, mostly most people have someone that they can talk to about some stuff, but you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, it's nighttime, something's been bothering you. There's nobody sort of to call. And normally you would reach out to your spouse at that time, you know, for that support. But no, they're either physically not there or they're not, you know, mentally available. They look exhausted, like you're saying. And and you don't and you bottle that up. And, you know, having having that outlet, I think is huge. I mean, I, I can't tell you like how many times I've cried alone in my room, you know, and just like few deep. Yeah, totally. And and like, you know, kids downstairs, you know, we have, we're so fortunate. We have a nanny, but nanny's not working. I don't want to bother her, you know, and, and kids downstairs and I'm crying by myself in my room and, and he's not there. Or he's sleeping in the basement or something while all this is going on. And I'm like a few deep breaths, you know, and like, I just love the idea of even though we've had friends that are, you know, in the same situation, I love the idea of having like an online or like you're talking about the app, like something that you can just access quick that like, even when I went onto your website and I read your blurb about what it was about and your story behind it. And when you said, like, when you wrote those things down, surviving versus thriving, and then you talked about how you're like the CFO, the CEO, the, all these things of your family, all these roles, like actually brought tears to my eyes, like that, you know, oh my gosh, someone's putting words to what I often feel like, you know, I'm going through in our family. So like even just having an online place where the, or the Facebook group where it's like recognize that you can kind of go to any time for that quick support or knowing that somebody else is going through the same thing. I think that sense of community is, is huge already if you're doing that. No, and I, I, I agree completely. And I think I remember, so one theme that's come up recently with um, some spouses of, of trainees is that if they're not in healthcare, they don't, if, you know, they have very different career paths. And I had the because I worked in a hospital as well, I, in a teaching hospital, you know, I saw what the residents and the other doctors were going through. So when John and I, I remember it was just before we got married and I was working late one night and one of the, the surgeons that I worked with, he saw my door open and he, he popped in to say hello. And we were, we were chatting and, and I'll never forget this conversation. And he probably doesn't realize what an impact that conversation had, but he, he asked me something about John and I said, oh, he's on call tonight. And I, and I joked, and I said, I think I'll sleep in the, you know, I'll be sleeping in the spare room. And he, and I'm just joking. I didn't even know what we were, like really what we were talking about. And he was this big, you know, well, not if he wasn't intimidating to me, but he could be intimidating. And he said, you know what? He's like, never sleep in the spare room. And then he told me he'd been married for X amount of years. And he's like, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And he said, there is always 
going to be something else in your marriage. And we weren't married. We were getting married. We weren't married yet. And he said, and that's medicine. And he's like, the sooner you can figure that out and get over it. And it was like, it was very much tough love. It was very true. But then I think that's another piece is that physician families, and I, I know there's lots of other professions where, you know, families make sacrifices as well, but because we're talking about physician families today, and that's, you know, that's who we're going to focus on. But, you know, we go through things like when I, the day our third baby was born, that was the day that my husband found out he passed his final Royal College exams. And he got an email. And I remember like, I'm waiting for the doctor to come in and check me. I'm in labor. And he's wondering if he should check his email to see if he passes exam. And, and I sort of joked, I'm like, medicine is stealing my thunder even today. Like I'm about to birth a baby. And medicine- <laughs> this oh is more important, God. honey. No, and yeah. with that same, right? But, it, but it's one of those things. And, and so we joked about, well, if you failed, then it's going to, like, that's going to suck, but we're going to have this baby today. So that, you know, that'll make up for it. But I think there's also, you know, that same baby when he was 20 days old, he was admitted to the children's hospital. And for, you know, part of the day, we thought he had meningitis. And my husband was new staff, was at work operating. And I'm sitting holding this newborn baby and very fearful that I might lose. And, and because of my background working in healthcare, I knew what meningitis, like potential diagnosis of meningitis meant. And I'm alone. And my mom was going through treatment for cancer at the time. And she's, you know, can't be with me. You know, no one was there. And thinking like, in what planet, you know, in what other job, like my husband should be with me right now and our baby, not taking care of some. And he eventually, he came at five o'clock. Like I was there from 6.30 in the morning until, you know, five o'clock. And, and so it's like experiences like that, that are a little bit unusual where we're sort of, I think as family members, again, I'm not looking for, you know, sympathy or anything like that, but that those experiences aren't the norm, right? If, if you are in a different profession and you have a sick child, chances are both parents are able to be there, right? But it's, it's where um, I think, you know, often our families take a, have, to, have to take a back seat. And we know that going into this, that that's the way it's going to be. And, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts, but I think our children are probably more resilient and compassionate because of what their dad does for a living, right? And, and there's been lots of times, my husband's very hands-on and you know, there's been times where they've had a Christmas concert at school and he's like scrubbed out of the OR, like made sure his schedule allotted for an hour that he could run up to the school to, you know, see. So he's very, when he can be there, he's there. But there have been times where they're, you know, where's daddy? Why isn't daddy here? And, and I've always said to them, well, daddy wants to be here with us, but somebody else needs daddy more than we do right now. And, and so I think our kids, I think, I think in some ways it's a little bit of a gift, but that's only you know, those are during times, I'm sure times when our family was not thriving the way we are now, I'm sure my answer to them probably wasn't as, you know, gracious. And yeah, it's hard. It's just, it's hard sometimes. And I think that's just it. I think we just, just need to acknowledge that and, you know, and keep a, keep space for people within our community to, when they're having, you know, a challenging time to know that there's people out there to reach out to. Yeah. I, I think, um, I get, I get a little bit when I think about how many times we, have to miss stuff like and like seeing you alone on Christmas. I'm actually getting verklempt. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's um, like the worst. You know, like there's uh, been Christmas Christmas mornings. You know, where he's out the door at seven o'clock in the morning, and we're just rolling out of bed. And I do my best to like wake the kids up early to like open yeah, one present with like, him and yeah, stuff. Not, like those, like, like not being able to be with the boys on Christmas and events like that. I miss. Birthdays. birthdays you've missed con- birthdays. like a couple yeah. concerts where i was like trying to hustle to wow i didn't <laughs> i didn't expect to 
It's funny too, because I often don't think about sort of the impact on him of that. I think of the impact on the kids, you know, but again, and, and, you know, on me too, that I'm, I'm always the parent there on my own at the Christmas concert, or I'm always the parent at the birthday. Oh, where's Quadro? He must be working, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's true. Like, like there are aspects of that, that just have to happen sometimes. Like not many people, like you're saying, have a job that you can't drop everything for an emer- like for an emergency, like a, your newborn having meningitis. Like there's not many other jobs in the world where like probably even the prime minister would like fly back from wherever he is to like be with his kid, you know? And so I, I think, I think it just speaks to like, we know it's hard on them to be in that role. So it just speaks that much more to like, if the family's doing better, if the family is supported, um, then, then that pressure, like that, you know, it's going to be hard on him to not be there, but if I'm doing okay with it and, and I can tell him because I feel supported, I can tell him it's okay, honey, you know, we're good. The kids are good. I'll take a video. You'll watch it with them later. You know, as opposed to, like you said, when you're not in that thriving scenario, you're not doing as well you don't feel supported, it can turn into a negative thing in the relationship. Like, why weren't you there? Why am I always alone? I'll never forget like this one time I had gone through a few miscarriages between our second and third child. And we were with the fertility treatment center and I got pregnant. And I was there for my first appointment early, early in the pregnancy. So like before I would typically lose these, these pregnancies, to have the ultrasound to find out if the pregnancy was viable. And I'm there in the ultra, like in the fertility center room, and I'm looking around and I'm literally the only person there alone. Like it makes me emotional to talk about that one. And I'm looking around and I'm like, he needs to, like I was <laughs> angry, you know, like he needs to be here. And I think I took yeah, it out yeah, of later yeah. too. Like, you know, but he, but he couldn't be, you know, he couldn't be. And if I felt supported, like, in that moment, there's going to be times where everyone goes through this, where they feel alone or they don't feel supported. But like, you know, the more support I have in those situations, then the better we do. And then the less pressure on him. And it just like, it's just one of those full circle family things. You just took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I said, like a circle of, and it goes back to, you know, if physician families are thriving, then physician wellness and mental health is strengthened. And then patient care is enhanced and sustainable, like quality you know, compassionate patient care is, is made possible and sustainable. And that's, that's where I think it's like, you know, this movement is not about, again, it's not negative, not complained. Like what can we do better so that everything is better, right? From physician families to this longevity, patient care and, and, you know, physician burnout is real. And, and, you know, we, we know that there's lots of statistics that support physician burnout and physician suicide and, and, you know, the system, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult system to, be part of. And, and I, I often think too, like when you're coming from a different country as well, right. Where maybe there's a lot of, you know, in Canada, a lot of IMGs where they come with their families and maybe, maybe language is a barrier, right? So you don't even know where you can connect with somebody. And, and I'd like to change that too, or that when you're coming, like, you know, like for residency programs or even, even for, um, you know, if you're getting hired to, to have these resources and that's where the app, that's why I thought the app was such a a brilliant idea because you could pick up your phone and be like, Oh, okay, Catherine, you're in Ottawa. Okay. Well I'm in Burlington, but you know, I let's have a look on here together at what resources, or you're looking to buy a house. Well, you know, I know a real estate agent here and, and sort of just making, just, just making it a little bit easier, you know, and we, we have technology now to support that. And, 
yeah, so that's, I think. That's huge, actually, like the moving between cities and like you, you mentioned the international medical graduates um, and even within Canada or the States, like moving between cities for these different fellowships and residencies and training and that and, you know, how often like many of the physician families that we know, they don't live in the same city where any of their family members live. Like they don't have any extended family in that city. They end up somewhere, you know, completely different. And so they just don't have that extended support. They don't have a history in that city. They don't have a friend group established, like nothing, you know? And so being able to like coming into that new scenario and like, not just the physician figuring out, like getting themselves set up, but the family being able to say like, you know, where do I take my kids on a Saturday afternoon? (laughs) You know, like, what do people do here? Or you know, where, like, where do, how do I look for a house? Like, where's the best place to live around the hospital? Um, All you can eat baby back ribs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where's the best barbecue in the city? Smoke meat. Yeah. Like, what are the best options on skip the dishes? Cause I'm going to be using that a lot in the next, you know, like. There there was, uh, there's a individual who um, has just, and I would use the word survived the partner's residency and has shared numerous stories with me about, you know, moving, making a significant move, being alone and having small children. And we know that it is harder to get out when you have small children, but not knowing anybody. And when I met this person in the fall, you know, she like, she just shared a story recently with me. There was something I said to her. I gave her a suggestion on something that worked for our family. And she brought it up the other night. And I thought, oh, I'd like, I never even thought anything of it when I, when I said this. And it was such a simple suggestion of we used in our house, I used to get frustrated because my husband would say, oh, I'm I'm on my way. He'd send me a text (laughs) and say, I'm on my way. I'd be waiting to feed the kids because they were hungry, but then I'd say, oh, daddy's on his, on his way. And so we'd be waiting for daddy. And then what would have happened was on the way to the car, he'd get called back, but then there wasn't time to, you know. And so then it was actually my husband who, like I said, is techie and likes gadgets. He, he picked up my phone one day and he's like, did you know there's an app? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort this, or it's on, on iPhones, right? Where you can find your friends. And so he put that on my first, I don't know, maybe it was always on my phone. And so now if he says I'm coming or I'll be home at whatever time and he's not there, sometimes I'll just click on it and I see he's at the hospital still. I'm like, okay, guys, we're not going to wait for daddy. And it was such a small little, it was like something, it almost sounds silly, right? Like knowing whether or not he left the hospital, but that was a huge like improvement in our daily communication or, or stressors. And so this individual shared the other night that I had shared that. And she said that made a big difference for her too. And so just like being able to, you know, share ideas or share like, yeah, like things, just very simple things. Like I said, this is not, you know, sophisticated, you know, uh, but that's what community's about, right? Like it's about sharing and it doesn't matter if it's like sharing where you buy your favorite jam or if it's sharing like a mental health resource or sharing support or whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just about feeling like there's someone else out there in a, who understands your situation like intrinsically, like really gets it. And, you know, you can reach out to them for for anything. Absolutely. You just touched on something with, with mental health and I, and I would love to, to know your opinion being a psychologist. One of the things that sort of come out of COVID and, and you know, being concerned about everybody's mental health, right. And, and whether or not you've had mental health challenges in the past, I think most Canadians would say that they've you know, struggled at, at some point over the last few months. And, you know, people that work in healthcare, we know that that's even more amplified in terms of the impact on, on mental health. And, and that was one of the things that got brought up you know, in the last few months on, on calls and in, in conversations with other physician spouses is, 
you know, if you don't have a background in mental health or that, like that's part of your professional training or part of my professional training, but how do you recognize symptoms, you know, or like, how do I look at my spouse and know, is my spouse burnt out or not? And that was another piece that I sort of like would love to see when, when the app is eventually completed, like a little bit of a mental health tracker so that not only could you track your own mental health, but like the mental health of your family and, and, and not, not to use it as, you know, not an intervention, but just as a, as an, another tool to be able to like keep, keep on top of things. And, and I'm sure over the years I got to a point, we, we had some family stuff. My mom had passed away. My stepdad passed away. Like we had lots of stuff that went on. We moved, we had these small children and looking back, I probably, like I was trying to keep it all together. And I think that's where a few years ago when we really hit, like, I mean, a bit dramatic right now, but like not rock bottom, but it was like, okay, something needs to change. Right. And our family, like we need to, we need to change how we communicate. We need to change, you know, some things within our family to make this better. And I would just, I think if there, if we could help prevent other families from, you know, getting to that place of just like, it, it's sucky to not be, to, to serve, nobody should have to live in survival mode. Right. And yeah. I think it's a whole picture like you're talking about, because if you're, if you're holding a lot in because there's no one to turn to, right. Because you don't have a lot of support because you're isolated within, you know, the new city that you're in or whatever's going on, you don't feel like people get it. Then you hold this stuff in and that becomes like kind of your way of doing things, right. You're like, I'm just gonna, you know, and the people, the people who get into these relationships, like, I mean, this is maybe getting a bit psychology, you know, but like if you're choosing to get into a relationship where you, you know, are sacrificing so much of yourself to, you know, support this other person and and support this, you know, strange family dynamic, this unusual family dynamic, you know, you're the type of person who like, you know, you tend to be the type of person that can like pull it all together, right? Like you can you can make it work. So you tend to like kind of have that personality where you're like, I'm just going to shove it all down for the time being. And I'm going to push forward and I'm going to make it work and we're going to be successful in this. Right. So then you eventually that, you know, that is, that's, that's going to, that's going to bubble up. And I think, um, oh, no, I, no, I don't realize where I was going with this. (laughs) Welcome to my world. Maybe about the, um, I just got into my whole psych mind and like analyzing and eventually going to the symptoms that people would for burnout. Were you eventually getting there? I just, I just think, like, I, I guess, I guess the whole point of it is like what you were saying with like being, being aware. Like, do you have to hit rock bottom? And I think that's, that's what leads to that. That's where I was going with it. That personality style is one that leads to, you know, bottling it all up until eventually the top blows off. You know, and if you, if you can get in there, and we do this in psychology all the time, teach people and how to like get in there earlier and get the support and let off some of the steam and the pressure before the whole thing explodes, then you can, you can manage that. And like you said, you can, you can prevent yourself from having to hit this rock bottom and be like, we need to completely change how we're doing life right now because like, it's not working, but that's, you know, that's a hard thing to do when you're isolated. And I think that's what I love about what I was reading, you know, on your, on your website and with your programming that, like you're you're providing this supportive community that's going to make people aware of the struggles that they're going through and allow them to let off some of that steam and get the support they need before it blows. Can I can I add to one thing? Like Haley, obviously, obviously loving what you're doing too. But like, I just want to like say something about some of the physicians and 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 families out there. Like, if you know newcomers are coming, 
like we should be bringing them with opening arm, like with open arms. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like we all have gone through the struggle. You know, you're a, you're a fellow and you know that the new fellows are coming in, bring them in. You're the program director of vascular surgery. You got new fellows coming in. They're coming from afar. Bring them in, introduce them to your family, be welcoming, you know, make, make your, your division or department, a community, whatever way is, is possible. Like this, we're, we're all family here. We're all struggling. You know what I mean? Like I, I get a little bit wound up when I see some of these dysfunctional departments that aren't doing that, having that approach. And like, all it is, is adding stress for no real reason. Like I mean, I, even us, like we could do a better job with like the, you know, the new fellows coming in, like often we meet them and you know, they have young kids and you can see they're new to the city and this is a new adventure for them. And like we could, like we could absolutely. I mean, you guys have a pretty good department in terms of that sense of community. But yeah. like, in terms of even at the at the individual level, this has come up a lot during COVID and during the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, what can you do as an individual? And I think like part of the message here is like, as an individual, you can support people. You can reach out. Word. So, and sometimes it's really hard. Like, I I get it that some programs, like my husband's a program director for his division, and they have only a handful of residents. And then you have other programs that have, you know, hundreds of residents and that becomes harder to manage, you know, when you're, when, when you have that many people that, and, and the reality is the, the environment that you work in as a physician, it's busy. Right. And so it's, this isn't faulting anyone. It's just, it's sort of the system, right? The system's always moving so quickly, but for example, um, someone shared with me that they had met their partner's program director numerous times. Sorry. I didn't know if we were frozen there numerous times over the last several years. And every time this person meets the program director, the program director assumes that they're meeting for the first time. <laughs> this is like, it, it's actually really insulting because you get more time with my, my spouse than I do. And it's like, you don't even know that I exist. And so those are some of the conversations of just like, again, like knowing, and I, my, my husband, I like to, I joke, I think he's extreme. He's, he's an extremely amazing human and he has a high level of emotional intelligence. And I, I'd like to take some credit for that, for just like nagging him all the years of like, you know, but that's what I said, like, do you know, do you know if your residents have a significant other or do you like, these are important things. Or do you know, like, so when our baby, well, he was already staff at that point, but when, when our son, he didn't have meningitis, he ended up having RSV and, you know, was only in hospital temporarily. But like, if you have a, a, a trainee and not even a trainee, like if you're a colleague, right? Like, do you, do you ask those questions? Like, how is your family? How is like, I don't know, just asking, right? Cause if you ask, chances are someone's going to tell you, but the sort of the culture, I think of, of healthcare and of, of medicine. And because of the nature of the beast, like I said, you, you can't stop. There's crises and fires that you're putting out all the time, but you know, just coming back to being human, right? At the end of the end of the day, we're all human. And I think that's really the point. And that goes back to you know, the long-winded answer I gave you about why, like the community and growing that, like, okay, let's just be good humans. Can we just agree to be kind and be good humans and look out for each other? And take care of each other. Yeah. And, and you know what, like, what a beautiful world would it be if like all the new fellows coming in or all the new residents were given this resource, like maybe there's an event or something like that. Um, and then there's a resource given about like, you know, if you have a family or if you have a, a partner, you know, and and they want to connect, here's a group of other partners and other families in this situation within the hospital. And like not even like the bigger community that you're talking about for sure, but like working with individual hospitals and in individual cities or individual programs in individual cities, like 
that, you know, this is what we have here. So when you come in, it's like, it doesn't have to be the staff physician's responsibility to check in on the resident's family life. You know what I mean? Because again, that, that kind of gets to be too much, but where it can be like the program has the resource to say like, Hey, I know you have a kid, you know, and I know you have a partner. So like if they want to hook up with anybody, if they want support or if they just want to know what's going on, then here's a community and here's the, here's the website, here's the Facebook group or whatever. Here's a pamphlet, you know? Absolutely. And that's, for sure. And, that, and that's just it is like giving people a resource. And that's, that's where I, I think what my, what I, the point I was trying to make is that the onus doesn't necessarily have to be on the institution, but if there's resources out there that they're willing to share and, and, you know, later on this summer, I'm going to start doing a bit more consulting um, with some institutions to sort of say like, like, what are some little, like really micro changes that could be made that would, you know, like, let's have an email blast out to, you know, to share some resources or to maybe just have some more planned events throughout the year and, and recognizing another another um, person shared with me recently that you know in all the years that her partner was in training she was never really invited to anything and if she was it was difficult because they had small children and they had nobody to help with small children and she said you know she was invited to one event where and as I think as parents we know that that's hard right you take small children and you end up one parent might get to participate and the other parents chasing you know children around and and you know if somebody just had had the foresight maybe to say like you know, let's, let's do this, that it's a child friendly in a, you know, an environment where you know, maybe, maybe there's an, maybe somebody else has an older child, a teenager that can come and help entertain the kids or, you know, like something like that to make sure that, that people can participate and feel part of it, part of the process. So. Yeah. Such little things, but with such big impact. Right? Uh, absolutely. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Okay. I, I want to be part of it. Can I, can I help you? Yes. Hey, you're gonna, <laughs> hey, you're gonna be on I'm going to, well, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. The July 9th. July 9th, Better Together Project. We've been pumping up this for the last few episodes, and you, you guys have been sponsoring the show. Um, we're adv- huge fans of this. Use promo code. You will hear it in the intro, but promo code Solving Healthcare to sign up, get 10% off. But let's hear from you, Haley. What, what are we expecting on July 9th? So July 9th is going to be, it's, it's really a celebration of the start of the medical new year. A celebration. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no. <I, laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to no, that celebration. Kojo's Qu- quoting Rick James. Yeah, that's Rick James <laughs> or Chappelle, really. Chappelle, yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle I'm, doing Rick, I'm Rick James. I'm just bringing people yeah. together, and I, you know, the majority of the the speakers are uh, partners of physicians. That was really important to to bring people in from within our community. And so my hope is that people, you know, it's it's an all day event. It's virtual. It will be recorded, knowing that it's summertime and people are not going to necessarily be able to commit to a full day in front of their computer. All ticket holders will have access to the replay, but it's also, I hope that people are really, you know, leave the event or leave the day feeling, you know, connected to this bigger community, inspired, encouraged, supported. And we're going to have some fun too. There's going to be a virtual half hour after the last speaker. And that's the one thing that I think is really unique is that a lot of people within the physician, physician family community, they follow each other, you know, on social media and stuff like that. And maybe know each other's names and faces, but have never had any in real life or even contact virtually like this. And so we're going to do a virtual happy hour that people can jump on and actually interact and see each other. And so I hope that it's just the start of something, you know, really special for our community that, you know, I'm hoping that it's the, the first of like many events like this. And, and this event was always going to, I had always planned to do an event at the beginning of July, but the event was going to be in person and it was going to be my area. And so, you know, the catchment area would have been quite small. And, and so again, looking for silver linings, COVID actually was the biggest silver lining because 
you know, no, no big in-person events. And now the speakers that we've been able to, to bring in are from all over, right? So it's not asking anybody to get on an airplane or drive several hours to come and be part of this. So I think, I think actually, you know, making it virtual makes it more inclusive. You don't have to worry about childcare. You can be on your computer and you can have your kids, you know, running around you in the background. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited and, and so grateful that you're going to take part as well. And we'll be there. We are, we are mad excited about this. We've been pumping up the tires big time. Because this is what uh, we call a change in the boogie. We're changing uh, the the platform on how we could be better connected and provide better care. You know, have a more holistic approach to our well being. So I I'm, I just really want to commend you, Haley. And honestly, this was awesome. And I, this was such a fun uh, interview to to to, to do. I, I, I'm still surprised I got Vaclamp though. I can't believe you actually let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, hey, that's hey, what I'm excited hey, about. You, this still could be edited. But yeah, we really want to thank you for taking the time. Where can people find you, by the way? So you can find me probably the best place is on Instagram at underscore the flip side life or on the, our website, which is www.theflipsidelife.com. And, you know, email me my contacts on the website. You know, DM me. I'm happy to answer any questions. Always happy to have a chat, you know, an individual chat if somebody's not so interested in, you know, a group conversation. But yeah, just doing what we can to, you know, to, to support our community and, and just make this better. And, and so I'm so grateful for your time. And, and this was really fun. And, you know, what you don't know is Catherine's taking over your show. So sorry, you know. Oh, my God. I've been trying to get her on actually for a while. She's just, this is like the, this is took some actually i didn't yeah. have to push you much I'm not this for this happened. one yeah, yeah. The, i'm not i'm not a limelight type of person Neither i'm an I. introvert i'm not a limelight i'm not limelight oh my god you're like the oh my <laughs> we need to we need no, to have a, no. a deep dive into that you, of course you are no, you're always not, gonna steal to, the show kind of guy trying to get lime, no this you, is the worst are you idea kidding? now you're the biggest performer yeah but uh, yeah there's one thing to perform every once in a while but like to like want to draw attention oh, to you no want to draw attention to you that's all you do in our house is no. draw attention to yourself what we have you three are the crazy loudest kids. person i know in this loudest? oh my what? gosh Teddy? <laughs> like, what? Teddy? Yeah, you're loud you're, gonna check his you're bigger i know where you are wherever you are in the house i know where you are this is ridiculous yeah. i can't <laughs> believe this is happening show get that's it i know i'm getting this is horrible but, yeah. but yeah we're gonna do more of these I Are think. we? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but yeah, we can't wait July need, 9th. I think, I, no, I think your audience needs uh, like more. He said, she said. Maybe that yeah. could be your new yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see how, the ter- right, we'll see how this turns out. But Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Haley Harlock. I hope you join us too on the Better Together Project. As we mentioned, use the promo code Solving Healthcare. Y'all are going to love it. It's gangster. Okay. If you have any comments, leave them at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at quadcast. Um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our fans in Airdrie, Alberta. You know, we dig you the most. Uh, <laughs> Once again, thanks so much for listening, guys. We look forward to connecting soon.